Listen to this scripture. Paul writes, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. And husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Let's pray. Father, as we come to your scripture this morning, I thank you for how it does speak to all areas of life and to these most important relationships that have to do with marriage and the family, our relationships with one another. And Father, we want to honor you there. We want you to be the head of our home. We want Christ to reign as Lord in our hearts and in our families, our marriages. So would you show us how to do that? Help us to listen to you today and to apply what we hear. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, every couple that enters into marriage has certain expectations. Some of those expectations are very good. There's a desire to love and to be loved. There's a desire for companionship and to want that to be a lifelong union. There's a desire to have children, to start a family, and to want to raise them to honor Christ as well. And all of those things are very good. And that's the reason people enter into marriage in many cases. But we also know that we have expectations that we bring to a marriage, that some of which may be realistic and some are not realistic. Uh, those expectations can be shaped by things that we've seen in media or maybe friends or other marriages that we've looked at or things that we've read and we've kind of gathered those all up. They might be expectations based on what our mom or dad did in their marriage relationship. And we bring all of that to this new marriage that's about to start. And uh, sometimes those expectations, again, can be unrealistic. Where the husband might say, well, my mom always did it like this. Or the wife might say, well, my dad always did this, and I just expected that you would too. And all of that needs to be worked through. It's why we have premarital counseling to talk about those things so that you don't have two couples up there hearing very different words being spoken when they are saying to their vows to one another. What's interesting to me when I come to a passage like this is that Paul doesn't address those kind of details. He leaves that to us. We need to work that out in our setting, in our marriage relationship. But instead what he does is he applies the Christian life to the very heart of a, of a marriage relationship. And he cuts right through all of those other things and gets to what I would call the key to a happy marriage. And the key to a healthy marriage is a servant heart. A servant heart. Now, that shouldn't surprise us in the sense that having a servant heart is important to all areas of the Christian life, as we're going to see. In fact, if you're here today and you're not married, you know, and you're wondering about, okay, what can I take from this message? I think this whole principle about serving one another in love is something that can apply to all of our relationships. Dale Burke, who's a pastor at the Evangelical Free Church in Fullerton, California, has written a book called Different by Design. Very good book on marriage. And in it, he too talks about this servant heart. And he says that servant love is to marriage what the concept of lift is to aeronautics. Without it, we won't even get off of the ground. By applying it, husbands and wives can be free to welcome the undiluted blessing of God on their marriage. So when you get it and you understand how important it is to serve one another in love, it really is transforming and it lifts your marriage up to a new level. And because men and women are different, 
how we show our love for one another is going to be different too. And in general, men feel loved when they are respected and women feel loved when they are cared for. Men feel loved when they are respected. Women feel loved when they are cared for. Now, uh, both need the, the other too. I mean, women also want to feel respected by their husbands. And husbands also want to feel cared for by their wife. But generally, the way that communicates that love most to a man is when his wife respects him or when his friends or peers or others respect him, think that he's good at what he does or he's successful or things like that. That means a lot to a man. And to a woman, she feels love when she is cared for and valued and honored in that way by her husband. And that's what we're going to talk about. And I think that's what Paul is getting at in these two verses. He begins by saying that wives are to submit to their husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Wives, submit to your husbands. And I realize that in some places in our culture or in our country, uh, just saying that statement could get me in a lot of trouble. There are people who don't like to hear that. They think that the idea of someone submitting to another person is demeaning or it implies certain things. And that's why, because of those misunderstandings, we need to talk about that and make sure we understand what it means to be submissive. Submission does not mean inferiority. The Bible tells us that both men and women are equal in God's sight. It has nothing to do with superiority or inferiority. Submission also does not mean blind obedience. Now, this uh, direction is given as is fitting in the Lord. In other words, a husband isn't to ask his wife to do something that would be sinful or disobedient or illegal or harmful, hurtful, any of those kinds of things. And a woman is not to blindly obey in those areas. I mean, you are to do what is right in the sight of the Lord first. Uh, Submission does not imply passivity or silence. It doesn't mean that you can't say anything or to keep quiet. And it also doesn't mean that you check your brains at the door. That would just be dumb. I mean, you know, a wife is to enter into this relationship fully. Husbands are to value their wives' opinions and insight and wisdom. And the truth is that most decisions in a marriage are going to be made together. You're going to come, you're going to pray about things, you're going to talk about it and work together and come up with the best solutions. But also we know that in all relationships, when we talk about things in the world, there needs to be someone who takes the lead. And submission is to willingly place yourself under the leadership of another person. Submission is to willingly place yourself under the leadership of another person. And submission is true in many relationships. For example, the Bible tells us that children are to be submissive to their parents. They're to honor their parents and respect them and obey them. The Bible also says that employees are to respect their employers. And those kind of relationships were to honor those that we work for and serve. Now, it doesn't mean, again, that that's a blind obedience. If an employer were to ask you to do something that was illegal, you're not supposed to do that. I mean, you are to do what is right again, honoring the Lord most of all. Citizens are to respect their leaders in their country. And we are to follow those who govern us and honor them and pray for them. 
Again, it doesn't mean in everything, if they were to ask us to do something contrary to Scripture, then we need to take a stand on that and do what's right. Submission applies to the church and to our relationships with one another. Christians are to submit to their leaders in the Lord. And, in a sense, Ephesians 5.21 says that we are to submit to one another out of respect for Christ. And so there's a sense in which we are to give preference and honor to one another as believers. And then all of us are to submit ourselves to God as our authority, as our head, our leader, and we follow His leading in our life. So you can see how submission is not something that just applies to marriage, but to all relationships. It's for the good of society. It's for order and for uh, well-being of all of us. And you can think about even Jesus. Even Jesus, the Son of God, lived His life in submission to the Father. In Hebrews 5-7, it was talked about how He was heard and how God honored Him because of His reverent submission to the Father. Now think about that. I mean, within the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all three are equal, all share the same attributes. There's no superiority, inferiority there in the Godhead. Yet there are differences in role and function. And so the Son of God chose to live His life in submission, in obedience to the Father. And the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, lives to lift up the Father and the Son and to bring glory and honor to them. And He works in our heart and our life to call attention to the work of the Son and what He did in salvation. And when you think about it that way, then you begin to understand the same thing is really true in marriage. The husband and wife are equal in God's sight, yet they have different roles. They are different in function, and those differences are by God's design. Submission, then, is primarily an attitude of the heart, an attitude of humility, an attitude of respect, an attitude of honor that recognizes God's design in these things and chooses to follow that. So how does a wife show love to her husband? Well, she respects him, she trusts him, she supports him, she accepts him, she admires him. And it may be in those little day-to-day kinds of actions that that is shown. It might be in a wife saying to her husband, you know, I appreciate how hard you are working to provide for our family. Or I appreciate it when you help around the house and when you help to clean the other day or help me with... Uh, what I was doing, folding clothes or vacuuming or cleaning or whatever, that really meant a lot to me. Or I appreciate the time you spend with our children, how you play with them, how you read to them, or how you teach them. Those little words of affirmation, encouragement, and respect mean a lot to a husband. The Scripture instructs us in that too, and The parallel passage in Ephesians that also talks about husbands and wives says this. It says that wives should submit to their husbands as to the Lord. As the church submits to Christ, so also also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. And then he says to the men, however, each of you must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So wives are to 
honor and respect their husbands as the church is to honor and respect Christ. That's a high calling. That puts it on a different level, doesn't it, in terms of how we are to fulfill our role in that marriage relationship. Wives, respecting your husbands means this. Respect means to lift up or honor another person. It's to esteem or admire them and to verbalize that or show that in our attitude. And I would say to you that, wives, your opinion of your husband means more to him than anyone else's opinion. You know, I was thinking about that, how when I was growing up as a kid, I think the person whose opinion mattered most in my life was my dad. And when I was growing up, especially in those teenage years, and I was taking on responsibilities on the farm to do more and more things, you know, when my dad came to me and he said, you did that really well, or I'm proud of you, that was huge. I mean, I just, I could run on a compliment like that for a long time. That meant a lot. And those messages still affect me even today. But once a man gets married, I think the person that means the most to him is his wife. And if his wife can say to the husband, I admire you, or I honor you, or I appreciate what you've done, or I think you're really good at, or you're a good dad, or you are a good husband, those kinds of words and messages specifically said are huge. They boost a man's feelings and his confidence in himself, and they encourage him, and he feels loved. That's the way that he hears it. Willard Harley has written in his book, His Needs, Her Needs, that what most men are looking for when they get married are these kinds of things. They're looking for sexual fulfillment. They're looking for recreational companionship. They're looking for an attractive spouse, domestic support, in other words, a happy home, and admiration. They want to know that their wife is proud of them. And that's the key one that we are focusing on today. Sometimes women look at that list and they go, well, you know, that's different than what I would put on my list. And yes, it is. And I can't explain all of that other than that's the way God has made us. And what communicates love to a man is different in many cases from what communicates love to a woman. And sometimes women look at a list like that and they say, an attractive spouse, does that mean I'm supposed to be a model or something like that? Or I have this unrealistic expectation? Not at all. Do you know that In the studies that have been done, over 80% of married men feel that their wife is good-looking. Over 80%. That's at any age, whether newly married or uh, you've been married together for 60 years. You know, if you are married to your husband, you know, I mean, when you are married, you are already in his sight range, and he already finds you very attractive. And so what it's just saying is that take good care of yourself. And as a part of the way that you show love to him is simply by doing that. Or by making the home a place where a husband enjoys and delights in. There's order. There's a sense of refuge even from the world when you come back out of all those other responsibilities. And you can come and enjoy those relationships in your home. It's huge. Wives, be a student of your husband. Learn to communicate love in a way that really touches his heart. And sometimes you need to just take things like this and you talk about it and you ask the question. Some of you have read the book, The Five Love Languages, or you've gone to the seminar that we've had here. And those can be very important. Is it 
words of affirmation? Is it time together? Is it meaningful touch? Is, what, what is it? Is it uh, acts of service? Whatever it may be, you have to identify and find out what it is that communicates love to your husband. And sometimes people get those stuck in a relationship or maybe hurts have built up and they need to be addressed. And sometimes a wife may feel like, I don't want to do this or I'm not ready to do this. J. Allen Peterson, who's a Christian counselor, talked about one woman who was ready to divorce her husband. She was ready to walk out the door. and uh, He challenged her to do something else instead. I want you for the next month, the next 30 days, I want you to choose to do the things that a loving wife would do. I want you to honor your husband. I want you to be kind to him. I want you to express that in your words as well as your actions. And so they came up with a plan. Okay, I'm going to choose to do this. In a sense, just like in the testimony, what Don shared when she said, Ken is a wonderful husband. I'm just going to choose to love him. And what happened, J. Allen Peterson shared, and this has happened many times, is that when this woman began to do that and practice that over a month, 30 days later she comes back, she sees him, and he says, what do you think? Are you ready to divorce your husband? And she was like, divorce? Are you kidding? As she began to do the right things, her feelings began to change. Doing led to feelings. She chose to be obedient. She put it into action. God worked in her heart. And her heart began to change just like the testimony that we heard. And I would encourage those of you that feel like maybe you're struggling or maybe there's some things that you need to work on it. Maybe you felt like that. Take that step of obedience. Choose to do the right thing and trust God to work in your heart. To the men, Paul says this, Husbands, I want you to love your wives and do not be harsh with them. And one of the things that makes that statement even more powerful for me is to think about it in the context in which it was given. At the time that Paul wrote, women and children had very little rights in that society. It was a patriarchal society. Women and children were basically viewed as property and they were expected to be obedient. And so the focus was often in terms of the rights of the husband, not the responsibilities. And what's unique here is that Paul addresses both men and women as equal. And the focus is not on our rights, but it's on our responsibilities in a marriage relationship. And that's important today, too, because in our world today, in our society, what do so many people want to think about? My rights. It's my needs. I have a right to feel this way. I have a right to do this. And they they insist upon me. It's all about me. And we need to hear this word, too. It comes and says, no, you have a responsibility here. And husbands, you have a responsibility to love your wives and not be harsh with them. What does that love look like? Well, it tells us that our love is to be unconditional. Our love is to be that kind of giving love, just like Christ loves the church. It's not to be based on appearance or performance. It's not, I'm going to love her if she does this for me. No, even if she doesn't do these things that you might be expecting. God calls us to love unconditionally. Now what happens though, is that when both a husband and wife begin to understand their responsibility and they seek to meet one another's needs, 
the level of satisfaction in a marriage just gets lifted to a whole new level. And there is this giving of one another and a joy comes into that relationship as both people work to meet needs and to show love in ways that hit the mark. Our love is to be sacrificial. Again, in the parallel passage in Ephesians 5, the scripture says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Again, that is that high calling. How did Christ love the church? He laid down his life for us. It was sacrificial. It was unconditional. And when we think about sacrifices, love is sacrificial, or the kind of sacrifices that are to be made in a marriage, sometimes we think about, you know, boy, that must be something really big. But most often those sacrifices are shown in a hundred different ways in the little things. It might be helping to put the kids to bed at night rather than watching that program on TV that you wanted to watch. And it's taking the time to be there at bedtime to help with the baths or tucking them in or reading to them and teaching them. It might be that the way that you show that sacrifice is by helping to clean around the house. Maybe it's you to the vacuuming or you help with the dishes or you give a wife a break someday and you take on those chores and you give her a chance to rest. It might be in listening without correcting or trying to fix the problem. It might be in taking the time to write out a thoughtful note or a card or making a call from work that just simply says, I love you and I appreciate you. I'm thinking about you. It might be in a gift of flowers or something else that communicates love and thought and care. You are learning to speak her language. It might be in patiently waiting and praying again, like in the testimony where Ken prayed and waited patiently for Don. Sacrificial love is shown in a lot of different ways in those small steps day by day. And when the scripture says, husbands, don't be harsh with your wives, it means don't be critical or irritable. Don't be someone who's kind of always correcting or picking on this or that where you make the other person feel like they never measure up or they can't do it good enough. It's not done your way or it's not done what you would think would be the right way. All those kind of negative comments add up over time. In fact, more marriages fail from constant negative speech than marriages that fail from an affair. About 90% or just over 90% of all men and women in marriage are faithful and never have an affair or never even think about that. They are faithful in their relationship. But what can tear apart a marriage is the constant drip, drip, drip of sarcasm or critical attitudes or negative speech. And that's why it's so important that we be positive and encouraging and affirming. And we're going to see the same thing applies to parenting next week too. Um, Bev, who works as our care coordinator, came up and said in the dynamic marriage class, they talk about how the positive comments need to be five times more than the negative comments. I mean, it's just important. So sometimes we need to step back and listen to our tone, listen to our words or language, what it is that we are saying. Are we being affirming 
and positive to our spouse. Our love needs to be caring. We are to love our wives as our own bodies, to nurture and care for and show that in ways, again, that express love to our spouse. So husbands, that means that we need to be a student of our wife. We need to understand what shows love to her. We need to meet those needs in her life. We need to understand her limits even. I mean, there are times when I've, I've done this with Gail where I feel like there are certain days when she's working from when she gets up till late at night. And I know she just can't do that, you know. And so sometimes I'll need to say, you know, is there something I can do to help you today? To lighten the load or to take some of that responsibility so that she can have that time to wind down. And dads, if you've got preschoolers at home, that is just a draining time in life. Because kids need constant care. And so for a dad to be able to say, you know what, I'll put the kids to bed tonight, wow. Or to say, you know what, I'll watch the kids this afternoon so you can get out. Whether it's just to spend a time with your friends or run some errands or whatever it is you need to do, that is an act of love that means a lot. We need to be a spiritual leader in our home, men, with our children, to teach them, to read to them from the Scriptures or to talk about spiritual things. We want to be a spiritual leader with our wife as well and encourage them in their walk with God. We want to pray together or share from the Scriptures and work at those kinds of things and be growing ourselves. I think about the men who were here yesterday at the parenting seminar. Again, that is just huge in terms of what that means to your wife that you would take the time that you are saying I accept my responsibility to be a good dad a good father to be a spiritual leader in our home and I'm going to work at that that is a tremendous blessing what is it that wives are looking for when they enter into marriage well Willard Harley writes that they're looking for things like affection conversation honesty and openness Financial support or that the husband is a provider and accepts that or family commitment. He's a good dad, a good father. And when you look at that kind of list, you know that it really shows that wives are looking for that kind of tenderness or open communication or someone who will listen and hear their heart and someone who takes responsibility for things around the home. When you do that, you are saying, Honey, I love you and I care about you. So how does a husband show love to his wife? He cares for her. He sacrifices. He nourishes and cherishes. He honors and he understands her needs. The key to a healthy marriage is a servant heart. And I think you can see why that is so important in this relationship. When two people learn to serve one another in love and to give preference and to honor one another and to help meet those needs as best as they can, God uses that. You grow. You experience joy and fulfillment in that relationship. Now, husband or wife, we can't meet all of the needs that another person has. Only Christ can do that. Only He can fill that emptiness in our heart where we need to come to know Him. But He has designed a marriage relationship so that we should complement one another. And where one is weak, the other is strong and vice versa. And we lift one another up and grow together in Christ. What I've seen through the years is that marriage is one of the very best ways that God disciples us. That through marriage and through parenting, we learn patience. 
We learn to trust. We learn to love. We learn to serve. And we grow in Christ. So what could you do to serve your spouse today? How will you apply this message? It might be that maybe you want to write a note, a thank you to your spouse, or say I love you or I appreciate when you do this. It might be you want to make an investment in your marriage, and maybe you want to go to a marriage conference. Maybe you need to see a counselor, or maybe you want to read a good book on marriage. Or maybe you want to take the dynamic marriage class that's starting today, and you go home today and you talk about it and you say, you know what, I think we should do that. That'd be really good. Whatever it is, I want to encourage you to take that next step this morning. Let's pray. Father, we want to honor you in our homes. And it's very clear what you are saying here, that our Christian life needs to be transforming in our marriage and in our relationship with our children and in our work. Father, help us to do that. Where there is sin, we need to confess that and move on and ask for forgiveness. And where there are steps that we need to take that can make our marriage better, Lord, help us to do that. Help us to love one another as you love us. And help us to serve our spouse in ways that communicate that love genuinely. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. And now may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it.